Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kunz along with Father Ryan Moravitz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth on Real Presence Live. Father Ryan, good morning. Good morning, Father Rich. How are you today? Good. Good. It's good to, to be here again here with you this morning. And as we have another episode of a Real Presence Live, which yeah. is always a good show. I right think. in the heart of Lent, yeah? Well, yeah, I mean, we're in the second half of it for yeah. sure now, aren't we? We're coming, we're, we're getting close to Holy Week, I can't wait. Uh, hey, uh, why don't you start us off with a quick prayer, yeah. Father Ryan? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father God, we give you praise and thanksgiving this morning for this day. We thank you for Real Presence Radio. We thank you for our listeners. Lord Jesus, we ask for your blessing and your, your grace upon us today to be present with us. And upon all those listening, may you uh, fill us with the, the Holy Spirit and guide and lead us to the, the goodness, the grace, and the truth that you, 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 you call us to. Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession and your prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, you know, we have something new for us here. We have a different um, uh, voice on the other end of the uh, radio. We have uh, Aaron, sometimes known as Adam. By you, because you struggle with names. Yeah, so. we're changing uh, from so do I. So, I so, give you too much of So, Aaron, are you there right now? Yes, I am. Aaron, are you going to give us a little bit of a heads up of what our show is going to be, or the preview here? I would be happy to. In Good. this first hour, we're going to have Pastor Peter Coates. I believe he's right there with you. He is. And yes, I am. We're going to be asking the question, what would it be like to have women in the, mis- the ministry? Pastor Peter Coates of the United Lutheran Church there in Proctor, Minnesota, will help us work through both sides of the issue. And Father Kunst will be talking about the upcoming Theology on Capt event. Then in the second hour, Bishop John Lavore will be joining you. We all know that someone who has fallen away from the Catholic Church, how can we reach out to those loved ones to help them get back up? Bishop John Lavore of the Diocese of New Ulm will share with us on how we can welcome them back with open arms like the prodigal son. And Bishop Paul Serba will also be joining us to talk about different ways on ways we can gain a different perspective of the faith journey through the eyes of Christ. So that's what we'll be looking at throughout our show today. Great. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Thank you. So we have we have uh, two bishops and a Lutheran pastor. It sounds like a beginning of a joke. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry, Pastor Coates. He's right here with us. But anyhow, as we were talking about Lent, you know, but we have something. Uh, I've got. I'm coming up to your parish later on today. Oh yeah, are you coming to hear confessions? Today? I am. For two o'clock, St. Lawrence, Duluth, Minnesota, folks. Two o'clock. I have it at six p.m. Well, you're coming for First Reconciliation yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Folks, you can't come to the, the First Reconciliation. That's just for the kids. <laughs> oh, okay. How many kids you got? We've got about 25, 28. Okay, and you invite the parents and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, then the parents come and everything. Okay. Like that, yeah. Are you and I the only two? No, I think there's three of us, actually. Oh, okay. All right. So what's going on at 2 o'clock? 
There's a communal penance service at 2. Oh, yeah, I won't be at that. Yeah, we have some other priests coming to hear confessions oh. at 2 o'clock. So okay. 2 o'clock, St. Lawrence in Duluth, Minnesota today, folks. If you're uh, uh-huh. in the area or you live here in town, come to confession 2 o'clock this afternoon. Very good. All right. Well, we have our first guest here right in studio, Pastor Coates. Good How's it morning. Going? How's it going? Good to see you again. It's so good to be back Pastor here Coates, it's always good to have you with us. <laughs> Thanks, I haven't seen you for a while. Oh, we had lunch a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we had a, a lunch a couple weeks ago planning for this. Right, for the uh, Theology Uncapped. So how, how, how's your Lent going? My Lent Pastor is going Coates? well. Uh, I love Lent. It's my yeah. favorite season. I, you and I have talked about this. I we know, have. Father Rich, it's not maybe it, your it's favorite not. of the season. And I don't want to scandalize listeners. It's just that, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a... High intensity type of season, and then it's a long forty six days. Oh. <laughs> uh, Father Ryan is confused on Lent, but you know. <laughs> if you don't count the Sundays, you can get to forty. But if you want to add the Sundays in, you can have forty six. Really? Sure. Did you know that, Father? Rich? So, so when you guys, I don't know how, I don't know how you guys do your Lenten thing, but so if we, do you guys give up stuff for Lent sometimes? Yes. So what do you do on Sundays? Do you keep giving them up, or do you just say, "No, I'm going to do what I was." What's your take on that? Most Lutherans would continue giving them up. Exactly, on because yes. they're more spiritually fit most, than some most Lutherans are, most, yes. and Catholics. <laughs> During our worship services in Lent as well on Sundays, we uh, change our gospel acclamation and we don't use the A word. Of course. Because yep, we right. put that away. Okay. Yeah, right, that's right. Commonality. We turn to the Lord yep. our God instead as right, our right. gospel acclamation. Um, but yeah, we, we have a wonderful season. Of, do you do like the no meat on Friday thing? We do not. Okay. Some people might give that up, or they might give something else up, fasting, almsgiving, prayer. You know, those disciplines right. of Lent, we right. keep those as well. Uh, but more so, we're adding in things like our Vesper service on Wednesday night. Most Lutherans do some sort of a Wednesday night Vesper service with a meal beforehand. Okay. And I just love this journey to the cross, uh, both in the springtime, right? The sun mm-hmm. is getting higher, that's right. warming up, and people's spirits are rising but more so we're looking towards the resurrection of christ right on easter yes that journey to the cross and then the glorious resurrection after that so this is my favorite season of the year yeah no plus i look good in purple (laughs) well it's where my purple that's true viking colors (laughs) were you gonna ask a question (laughs) you know we'd like to talk about women in ministry today Um, yes yeah where did this idea come from in terms of to be able to for the two of you to talk about this at your theology uncapped is my understanding and then for us to talk about it today on the radio. So what's the context of the topic? Father Rich and I have always been talking in these Theology Uncaps about topics that are uh, different between us Lutherans and the larger Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things that I'm always asked as a Lutheran pastor is, why don't they have women priests in the Catholic Church? What's the history of that? But why do we have women pastors? So we've gotten comfortable enough over the last I mean, two years, I think, now of conversations mm-hmm. uh, that this is a great topic for us to wrestle with, to discuss. Right. Uh, it's really one that's driven by a lot of questions in the Lutheran Church. What's the role of women in ministry? I think we're looking beyond just being a pastor or a priest. I think there's other things that we're going to talk about in our extended conversation. Mm-hmm. But that is a great starting point. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, when we have these theology uncaps, and uh, just uh, as just as a note of it, it's going to be on Thursday, April 30th at 6.30 p.m. at Grace Lutheran Church on Miller Trunk Highway here in uh, Duluth-Hermantown. And uh, you can sign up for it by going to theologyuncapped.org or something like that. I can't remember the exact website. But uh, it's pretty easy to sign up and find information about it because it's become a big it's become a big event, and I think people really look forward to it. We've 
we filled out and sold out every single time. I really look forward to it as well. And and you know, um, it is interesting. These theology on cast. What we're trying to do is uh, bring about an ecumenical dialogue. But in doing that, we focus on things that are differentiating between us. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think we need to get really into deep detail about uh, what we're going to be talking about as far as like the the topic itself and the the specifics because that's what we're going to be doing on on April 30th. So you should all come on April 30th. On April 30th. Get your tickets. Including Father Ryan, who's Father never Ryan, been. Who's never been. You are formally invited once again. Yeah, once again. You, well, Thursday nights don't work This well. is a Tuesday this, this time. This is a Tuesday? We've changed it just well, for you. Well, well, well. You Tuesday, just, you just April 30th. checked in your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, maybe, um, uh, Pastor Coates, could you tell us a little bit what, from your perspective, and again, I don't want to take away too much from what's going to happen on April 30th, but from your standpoint, what are the benefits of having women in ministry from the Lutheran perspective? Great question. Uh, Lutherans, especially in our denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, uh, we've had ordained women for about 50 years now. So it's wow. really not that long in the history of Lutheranism, 500 plus years. Uh, but for the last 50 years here in America, we've had women pastors and we now have women bishops as well. In fact, just at uh, three to six years ago, our newest bishop, presiding bishop for the whole Lutheran Church in America, was elected first woman as our huh. presiding bishop. And we're finding that it brings a different perspective on preaching, on pastoral care, a different perspective on leadership. Uh, oftentimes we're um, hearing the gospel proclaimed in a new way or in a way that maybe we hadn't thought about. Uh, everybody brings a different perspective in to their style of preaching, their understanding of the scriptures, and how they share that gospel with other people. And there's certainly women that bring things that I don't understand and that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. So that seems to really be a big plus for us to have women in What's, ministry. You know, I, I can almost feel the uh, the, the um, criticism at the very onset when somebody says, well, why do you have two males talking about women in ministry? What, what would your response to that be? That's a good question. Yeah, you and I are going to talk about this. Um, I think that the reason that you and I are talking about it is because our congregation members are asking about it, mm -hmm. and we are their spiritual leaders. Right. And we need to have an answer for them. Mm -hmm. We need to be honest about what the strengths and the limitations in both of our parishes are and both of our faiths, uh, whether it be the Catholic Church, Lutheran Church. Has it always been a good thing? No, there's been a lot of struggles for us as Lutherans. But that doesn't mean that we don't press through those. We all have sin. We all have struggles mm -hmm. in our lives that we need to work through. Is it something that the Catholics will at some point address i don't know mm -hmm. we'll t we'll save that for the 30th let's of, save that uh, of for April. the 30th can, so, I, go can ahead. I ask a no. question though just kind of a, a, a quick theological sure. do, do you see holy orders as a sacrament no we do not okay so that's a, like a big difference that is a big and difference. a big dynamic to like the whole conversation too in terms i of think it is sacramental theology and the theological elements i think and that's something is. that will obviously be brought up as well, that evening, because it's such a huge component into regards to why we have differences yep. on yep. this subject in particular yeah very much so. So what would you say, and I don't want to say that there is, but I mean, is there a drawback to having women in ministry? I think there's a drawback to having people in ministry in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, well, you who know, else are you going to have in ministry, though? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful.
Mine's it's so true. You know, you know, since since Jesus walked this earth, everyone that's followed him and tried to tell the story has not done a great job of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've done some really good things by the grace of God, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we've also made a lot of mistakes over the years, um, myself included. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we say every minister of the gospel is called to do their best, but they're a sinful vessel. They're a broken vessel. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I mean, we see that. In, uh, that's original sin for yes. you. Uh, we're uh, talking to Pastor Peter Kowitz. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Live. It's Father Rich Kunst, along with Father Ryan Moravitz, and we're speaking about the upcoming Theology Uncapped, which is going to be happening on April 30th, in which uh, m- myself and Pastor Kowitz will be speaking on the subject of of, uh, of uh, uh, women in ministry. And so... Uh, what would you say, now, this is interesting, maybe it's an unfair question, but what if a, a Catholic were to come up to you and say, um, really push for the idea of women in ministry as far as ordination, how would you respond to a Catholic? I mean, we, as we've experienced in these theology and caps, there's still a majority of Catholics that are going to these. Yes. We'd like to have a mix, of course, more of a mix. But uh, how would you respond to somebody if a, after our night uh, uh, maybe somebody comes up to you and say, well, I really still think that women should be ordained priests in the Catholic Church. How would you respond to that? Well, it's not something that is a part of your tradition, and I don't ever want to downplay the importance of your traditions in the Catholic Church. They're there for a reason. Um, I would probably agree, though. I do think that the Catholic Church, and any church for that matter, can benefit by more perspectives on the gospel. I just really think that is such an important thing. But I would tell that person to have a good conversation with their priest, have a, a Bible study on it, and see where where are the scriptural references to why women should not be in ministry, because there are plenty of those mm-hmm. in scripture. But I also do believe there's good scriptural references why women should be in ministry, and we have plenty of examples of that as well. well one of the things that you said at your initial uh, statement was um, uh, that struck me a little bit is like, and I and I can hear, I can understand it, where you said a uh, women's perspective in preaching. I mean, that's, I mean, I never even gave any thought to that. It's like, the Catholic, from the Catholic standpoint, that's not happening. You've probably never even heard a woman preach. Not I, Certainly not, not in the Catholic not, Church. Not, but. No, well, I mean, not in the context that we would define as a homily, you right. know, but uh, certainly giving reflections and such. But uh, well, uh, For instance, just a couple weeks ago, our gospel was Jesus saying that he wants to, like a hen, gather his chicks under his wings. Mm-hmm. That's a very motherly, maternal right. image. Right. That's not something I understand or you understand or mm-hmm. you understand, Father Ryan. But when a woman preaches on that text, she can draw out some imagery and life experiences potentially that none of us in this room could ever bring out. Mm-hmm. That's right. an example. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, you know, because I ask myself too, you know, in the, in the struggle, because it's a theological, like I said, it's a theological dynamic of a sacramental theology that's that's distinguished, sacramental theology is distinguished from like pastoral theology or pastoral ministry, you know, you use that word ministry. So I was asking myself too, well, where is the gospel being proclaimed by women in the Catholic Church? And and it is. Yes. It's in a different context because it's not under the, you know, ordained ministry, right? And it's, um, so it's not in the context of a homily. So where's that motherly role coming into play? You know, and for me, it's always, well, I see, that, you know, the sisters at uh, my parish, the Handmaids of the Heart of Jesus. You know, we have the sisters of St. Scholastica. There's that... The dynamic in the Catholic Church is through the religious, 
you know, where that motherly role in spiritual leadership, which is beautiful about the handmaids here in Duluth, is because their their charism is towards a, a, a spiritual motherhood in the parish. And so what does that look like, you know, and what is that, that sort of as a ministry in itself? And so we do have it. It's different than, you know, certainly having ordained um, women and giving the homily. So it's, it's these different dynamics. Yeah. It's really fascinating to both appreciate and look at the challenges. And, and Father Ryan, I do hope that some of the things that uh, Father Rich and I are going to talk about is we don't, I don't want to define women in ministry simply as are they priests or pastors or not, yeah. but what are the other roles that women play and how do they do that within the Catholic Church, like you said, with sisters and nuns and all of that well, great history that we in the Lutheran Church do not have. Yeah. So maybe just for the, like the last minute, uh, Pastor Coates, talk a little bit about theology uncapped itself. It's what, a, sh what should people expect? When you come to this wonderful conversation, you'll have a great dinner and you'll have a good community of people that are interested in hearing two guys talk about their understanding of what ministry means and these specific roles uh, for women in this conversation. Uh, we have a nice, lively conversation. Mm -hmm. We have our differences. We mm -hmm. question each other on why we do that. Uh, we respond to each other, but we also want to take questions from our audience. So if you do come on the 30th, you can you know, bring your questions, get those submitted, and we hope to respond to them. Well, great. Thank you, uh, Pastor Rose. It's, it's always great to see you. It's always great to have you on the air. You've been on the air with us several times and uh, and hopefully more in the future as well. It's always nice to be back, and blessings on what you guys do this morning well, thank, and always. Thank Thanks. you, and God sure. bless. And, and uh, um, uh, before the we go for the break, just a little bit of an idea of what's going to come next. You're going to have an opportunity to... Uh, call in with any type of topic or question down the line very shortly. So we'll talk about that after the break. Stay with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. You've got Real Presence Radio right now. If you're listening to it, you're probably sitting back saying, huh. Real Presence Radio is a huge part of the driving culture of promoting Catholicism, and it is. I mean, how many commercials have you heard from previous interviews, especially people calling into this network saying, you know, you have changed my life. I was driving. I travel a lot. You know, I, I was laid up for whatever reason. I'm, you know, I was at home. I was listening to that particular program or, or that teaching, and it totally changed my life. So it's not just happenstance that this is working the way that it does. The Holy Spirit can connect with people on a multiple or multiple different levels and the radio network is one and the Spirit's telling you, you know what, be a part of this mission, help me save souls, keep uh, you know, RPR on on the live network so people uh, have this beautiful ministry available. This is Cindy Detterman from St. Joseph's in Brooks. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Rochester Catholic Schools welcomes you to an all-new Hearts of Gold. 
Friday, April 26th, starting at 6.30 p.m. at the brand new Hilton in downtown Rochester. The event's theme is Cirque in the City, and there will be a cocktail party atmosphere with cuisine available at several unique food stations, plus a VIP hour at 5.30. Individual tickets and host table options are available by visiting rcsmn.org backslash hearts of gold. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating mass together, and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now back to more Real Presence Live. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kunz along with Father Ryan Moravitz coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth on the shores of Lake Superior on Real Presence Live for the April edition. Guess what, Father Ryan? What? Well, wait, before I say that, it's like, Pastor Coates is a great guy, isn't he? He is. I really enjoy him. He's he's a joy to, to be with. Yeah. And, uh, uh, he's a, um, uh, he's really a, I mean, he and I have become really good friends and, and, uh, to me, that's been a great blessing. And I know we've talked about this before on the air, but, uh, you know, our worlds are so Catholic. You know, when you're a priest, especially, it's like everything around you is Catholic. And so to be able to have a, a good friendship and a good relationship with, uh, um, somebody that's a leader in another uh, denomination is, is a blessing. You know, it really is. Yeah, it helps with perspective, I would imagine, and, and just kind of getting a different take or a different view. Yeah. Even on just sort of pastoral practice or things we might right. be going through, like. Exactly. How do you guys approach this, you know? Yeah, yeah. We've we had, can... we've had lots of lunches and just get togethers and just to be social. And, and we do talk, we, we basically, we compare notes a lot of, to a lot of things, you know. There's a lot of similarities as being, as being a pastor in the, yeah. in, in, no matter what the denomination. There's similarities there. Uh, so, yeah. But anyhow, uh, so, and I didn't mention this today at Mass. I should have. But today's an an, uh, an anniversary, a pretty important anniversary. Do you know what, what it is? I was going to say yesterday was a pretty important anniversary. For April 1st? Yeah. Why? What's that anniversary? Wasn't it the death of St. John Paul II? That was today. Are you sure? Yes. It's April 2nd, today. He died on this date in 2005. You can go ahead. You can ca- check on Google it. Check on your smartphone. I'm going to Google it. It would be says. so great if you were wrong. I, I'm telling you, you are wrong, and I am correct. <laughs> That's usually the case, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it also is an anniversary for our own diocese, because this was, it was on this date that um, our last bishop was ordained to the Diocese of Duluth. Bishop Scherner was on April 2nd, oh, really? 2001. Yep. So you're right. I don't know why I had the first in my I head. I don't know why you had it. You've got a lot of wrong things in your head. Yeah, that's true. But there were pe- you know what it is? Is There were people yesterday on Facebook posting all these pictures of JP2 saying it's the anniversary. So you take all of your information from I know. From this is Facebook. the problem, right? This, this is, is how problem. Facebook can mess with your head. Yes, in a lot of ways. Get off Facebook, folks. But you you just got done saying you were on Facebook. I know. I'm telling head. myself that, too. I'm preaching myself. You should have given it up for Lent. Including myself and the folks. John Paul II. I gave up the app, so I don't have the app. So that's good, right? I guess it slows me down. It does. Okay, so you give. I did that. Up, like, that I did that. But you're still looking December. at Facebook and getting wrong information. Yeah, but you got to understand the app makes it so much more accessible and easy, and it 
it, it's no. it's tough. So well, but but here's the thing, folks. You, there's a good reason to stay on Facebook. There's because, some positives to Facebook because you can connect with Real Presence Radio on Facebook. So, for True. instance, in the upcoming Straight Talk, you can send a message in through Facebook. So, it, Facebook has its advantages. Yes, it does. It's but it's just you can't. It has its disadvantages too. I'd oh, say yeah. you ha- like anything, you have to use it in the properly right and well. Yeah, and, 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 I, and, and, and I know how addictive it can be. Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh. It's so silly. It's so weird. Well, but rather than talking about Facebook, I'd rather talk about John Paul the Great. He's like, awesome. yeah. So tell me about John you know, Paul. I don't what like do using the word today? awesome, but there's a guy that's that that word fits him. Wow! Call the school. Somebody call St. James. Father Rich just it's, used the it's, word it's, awesome. It's Stella Maris. Father Ryan, it's not St. James. Well, St. James, James Campus, Campus of right. Stellamars Academy. I use it when it's appropriate. My thing about that word is that it's overused. Yeah, and so you awesome. Right. You want to use it's it. It's like interesting. Interesting. You want to use it in too. a way that where it actually, the word has meaning. Yeah. So like JP2. When, yeah. When I say that John Paul II is an awesome pope, an awesome leader, that's true. That's accurate. So there. Is he your favorite? He is. Yeah, me too. Yeah. He's my favorite pope, my favorite saint. In fact, years before he died... Years before he died, I'd always, I always used to say, the day John Paul II dies is the day he becomes my favorite saint. And even though he wasn't canonized for a few years, and it took a very short time, he was still, in my mind, my favorite saint. So I was in Rome uh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're the world traveler. That, you go to Rome more than I do. That was days. a vocations visit. That was work. Oh, so it was work. Oh, yeah. And I feel really sorry for you having to go to Rome for work, Father Ryan. Well, I had to go see our guys. So yeah. anyways, you know, went over for Mass a few times at St. Peter's, right? Yep. Um, and Mass at uh, the Pope, uh, altar of Pope Pius X one morning, which sure. was really yep. great. Right across well, from John Paul. Right across from yep. John Paul. So my question for you, Father Rich, is there a reason that John Paul was put at the altar he, that he's at in the Basilica? No, it was just easily accessible to the front. Okay. So, so that well, was, it was more of a practical it reason. Was, from my understanding. So, that makes you know, sense. who was there before? They actually moved a guy. Do you remember who was there before? Innocent the 11th? Yeah, Blessed Innocent the 11th. Very good. Yes! Yeah, you nailed that. <laughs> yeah, so Innocent the 11th. He's was, up on the left now. Yeah, like towards Opposite the Opposite sac- John, John the 23rd. Yeah, towards yeah. the sacristy. Yeah. yeah. So they moved one pope to get another pope into a more prominent location. Yeah, because it's right by the door, right? Yep, right there. when you walk in on the right. So it's right along. It's got a big altar area where you can. Yeah, and I say mass every time I go to Rome. I reserve. You have to reserve that altar, and so I reserve that altar for every time I go to to Rome. And so I say mass there quite a bit. One time when I was there a couple of years ago, I just got done saying mass at that altar, and then I went to the sacristy, and lo and behold, who was leaving the sacristy was Cardinal Jivitz. Ah, and I thought to myself, I know where he's going because he was doing mass. So. As soon as I got invested in the sacristy, I took my small group that I was leading on the tour, and I said, we're going back to that, and we're going to go to Mass again. And so we, we were there with Jivitz saying Mass at the tomb of his boss, because he was the private secretary for like 40 years of John Paul II. That was an incredible experience. That's a really good experience. So we actually saw, he was actually there doing Mass, and I was we were there for his Mass at the tomb of his old boss. Isn't it something how like stuff like that kind of falls into your lap? It does. It's it's There's pro- it's providence and yeah, stuff like providence, that. providence, right? No. That's yeah. like when we, for the beatification, we, you know, you and I were able to be at the beatification of John Paul II. Weren't we at the canonization as well? Yeah, but the beatification, the, the unique thing about the beatification is we already had a trip planned for that week. Did we? Before they announced it. Oh, actually, I do remember that. Remember? Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were already planning on going that Didn't week. did we change the dates though a little bit? 
we changed them slightly. Yeah, I think yeah. we we went in a day earlier than anticipated. Like we got things changed yeah. to where I we forgot were about that. Like we were already had it booked to go be yeah. there during that time yeah. frame. And so it's crazy. I mean, both of us we went together to both the beatification and the canonization of John Paul. And you know what I think is I think on. Remember when you and I were ended up on stage randomly oh, with John yeah. Paul II that in Toronto at his last World Youth Day? That is. See, well, we do have that I mean, connection with John Paul. We together. really do. It, yeah, because it was, it was uh, Father Tom Rosica who was running World Youth Day. I knew him from before he'd done a retreat of ours. And he was going around through the crowd for the evening prayer of World Youth Day Toronto and randomly picking out about 100 people. Out of like 300,000 people yeah. that were at that. And he picked together. you. You were a seminarian at the time. Yep. And, and then... And the, then I kind of waved him down because I knew who he was. I said, Father Tom Rosica. And I said, do you remember me? You know, because he led a retreat of mine. And he said, you're going up to the, and I had no idea what he was doing. He went, us, he sent us up to the, uh, to the stage. And so there's about a hundred of us on that stage along with John Paul. Yeah, sitting on the stairs in yeah. front of JP2, like yeah. right at his feet. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. In fact, some of those pictures that were, uh, taken of that event up in the stage there was, and I'm sure they're still there on the Holy Seas website where yep. you can see us up there <laughs> alongside John Paul II. We didn't have an opportunity to greet him at that moment. No. But we were in that so close proximity up on the stage with him. It's the first time I ever saw him. And I'll never. Oh, really? F- yeah. First time huh. I ever saw him. And, you know, we kind of saw him driving through the crowd so you kind of yeah. could see the top of him a little yeah. bit. And then he went backstage. And I remember looking out over the crowd and then the crowd went crazy and I turned around and he's 10 feet behind yeah, us yeah, yeah. with his cane and he's doing the whole wave right, thing right. to that the people. Two, and that was, was like, 2002. Wow, there he is. He's 10 feet away from me. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. And, and now he's a canonized saint, you know, and, <laughs> and his feast day is October 22nd. I'm, you know, I'm very much in tune with that every feast day of his. So yeah, I mean, he's, to this day, he still is, when I see videos of him, he, even in death, inspires me to want to be a better priest. You know? There was a picture yesterday I saw of him kneeling, and he's he's got to be near the end of his life, but he's kneeling and he's crying. Hmm. It was such a powerful picture. I'd never seen it before. Huh. Let me guess you saw that on Facebook. I did see it on Whoa, Facebook. How about this? So there are some good things <laughs> with Facebook. Yeah, and so, uh, well, yeah. Well, so, yeah, so yes, today is the anniversary of his, his passing. Death. I was in Rome for that. Um, I was right, a student there, so got to see... Just the whole process of his funeral and yeah, which was incredible. It was really incredible. Like the whole country of Poland ended up in Rome. Oh, was, I know, I know. It was, it was crazy. The yeah. amount of um, people that came and the funeral, just you know, a lot of folks probably watched on TV. It was phenomenal. Saint John Paul II, pray for us. Yeah, it's really a historic thing. <clears throat> well, well, there you go. There's our sound. Well, you know what that means, Father Ryan? What does that mean, Father Rich? <laughs> that means people can actually make phone calls, call in questions to Father Ryan and I, or go on Facebook and call in questions, or not call in, but write in questions on Facebook, and ask us any type of question you could possibly ever want. It's uh, 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. So if you're listening on the radio, you're driving your car, Take out that cell phone when you're at a stop sign or at a stop light and uh, call in with any type of question that might be on your mind. Or check out Real Presence Radio on Facebook and you can send a message in there um, and they'll get it to us. So we've already got a Facebook question here. Oh. Um, Wendy from South Dakota. She says, Hello, Father. I'm loving your show on Straight Talk right now, but since I am listening on my phone, I cannot call my question in. It is my practice to attend adoration every time we go to Rapid City if only just for 10 minutes to say hello to Jesus. Recently, I did just that, and I walked into an empty room. Hmm. I immediately found someone who could take my place when I left, but I'm wondering if you will please speak to the importance of not leaving the Blessed Sacrament alone 
Why is it so important that there's always someone attending the Blessed Sacrament in adoration? And how should someone handle it if an emergency arises while they're in adoration and they cannot reach someone to take over? Thank you and God bless you. Well, there's a couple of questions in that. Thank you, Wendy, for the for the question. You know, I mean, at first blanche, the my initial response to that is that uh, you know the the reason we have tabernacles, and if you ever tried to pick up a tabernacle, you know, you really can't because <laughs> they're so heavy, and uh, they're purposely heavy and they're purposely locked to protect the Eucharist from anybody that might want to. And they're usually it. bolted down. They're bolt. Yeah, I mean, there's you're not gonna you're not gonna lift it up. Okay, it's just not. I mean, there might be an occasional uh, church that if you're like really really strong and it's not bolted down, you got a couple people. That actually happened in one of my churches a number of years ago. But uh, um, the reason why tabernacles, they look like safes, they kind of act like safes, cause, and they're pretty hard to get into, is because we want to protect the Eucharist at all costs. And so on the very practical level, the reason why you have adoration where you have at least two people present and it should never be empty is because the Eucharist is literally exposed. Literally, and that's the point of it, to expose it. Uh, for, you know, what we would call, you know, ocular communion, maybe, to where you can look at communion and receive Christ by just looking at him in such a way. They used to call it in the olden days, ocular communion. And, uh, uh, and so the Eucharist on the very practical level for adoration should never, ever be alone. So it's really a pastoral reason. Or a protective reason for not not well on one leaving level, the Eucharist alone, so somebody could just randomly come in, maybe even somebody who doesn't know what it is. But on another level, the, I mean, the other levels that we go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, where Jesus says, "Can't you wait for with me for even one hour?" And so to have Jesus exposed to where you can see the Eucharist, see the uh, the transubstantiated uh, host, and then to not have anybody there goes against the very question that Jesus was asking asking at the you know on the precipice of of his passion can't you wait with me for even one hour and so to have an exposed eucharist uh, without anybody present that is a no no and to the second question i mean it sounds like you did a good job Wendy in regards to finding somebody after you left but uh that can become a practical issue it's like especially if you're going into um, uh, Rapid City, uh, pres- presumably you're not from living in Rapid City, and so how do you find somebody? It's like, uh, I, you might have to, if you're in that situation again, you might have to, uh, leave the Eucharist again, even just for a moment to go to the office of that church and say, okay, you know, there's nobody here. We, and they would be the people that would be most likely able to, to take care of that, you know, and cover that. What if, what if, so, you know, there's sometimes, for instance, you know, parishes do like 24-hour period of adoration or perpetual adoration. You know, so my parish, one of my parishes doing 24-hour adoration from Monday morning to Tuesday morning. What if somebody's in the chapel, they've got the 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning hour, and the person that's supposed to fill in at 2 o'clock doesn't show up? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that happens often. What would you recommend a person do? My recommendation is stick around for another hour. Okay, what if uh, it's the... It's the four to five o'clock, and you've got to get to work because you got to be at work by five thirty. I would. And the five o'clock person doesn't show up, but nobody's really around you. I would let suspect. Me, let me I, put it more. I would suspect that anybody who's um, organizing that type of twenty-four hour would would equip the people that have signed up for those hours a means to communicate with somebody, correct? Especially the person that's supposed to follow them. Uh, to be able to take care of that. Now, obviously, if it's a, if somebody overslept, it's three o'clock in the morning your cell phone might not likely wake them up. Mm-hmm. And so then you're in that situation where it's like, 
you know, I kind of signed up for this. I need to find somebody. If I can't find somebody, then you really shouldn't leave. You know, I mean, but here's my question to you. It's like, uh, as far as reposing the Eucharist, who can repose the Eucharist? Any extraordinary minister of Holy Communion or an ordained minister. Right? Mm-hmm. As far as I understand, that's yeah. correct. As, a, as long as they're well-trained and understanding what yeah. they're doing. So, I mean, would it be a situation to where you would, uh, you know, have those people that could repose it be at those hours? Be at those hours. Or have know, those people, yeah. Where it'd be hard to find somebody to replace you, you know, especially if it's a spur of the moment. Everyone's going to be the spur of the moment. It's like you got like five minutes left and you notice that nobody's here. It's like... You gotta get somebody quickly. So it does pose a problem. So anyhow, call 877-795-0122 or go on Facebook, Real Presence Live, 877-795-0122. That's an excellent question from, from Wendy and, uh, thank you. We're certainly inviting people to call in with any type of question that they might be uh, facing in regards to their practice of their faith or religion in general. And remember, you can look us up on Facebook at Real Presence Radio and submit a question through uh, the Facebook as right. well. Um, so, um, Father Rich, you know, we've heard kind of a surge in my parishes. This land kind of because I've invited people to it, and I know you you love this. You love to do this in your parishes, too, to promote daily mass. Daily mass, the big thing. So our me. daily mass right now kind of went from about 8 to 12 people, mm-hmm. and now in Lent we've had over 30 people that's at great. almost every, ma- every daily mass. Well, that's that's great. We added a noon mass on Wednesdays at St. Lawrence. Um, during Lent, we may continue that forward because right. we're getting Absolutely. 35 to 40 people at that one. Yeah. So, you know, what are, what are ways to encourage people towards daily mass and the, the, the grace and the beauty of it? it? Yep. I mean, to me, this, this is, if, if you could define my priesthood in one thing, it would be the encouragement of people to take advantage of the daily Eucharist. That is, that has been my primary focus in my parishes that I have been in as long as I've been a priest. And, I've seen it, and I believe that any parish will totally be transformed depending on the participation of daily Mass. It, was it Pope Pius X who made frequent reception of Holy right. Communion more popular? Yes. So what was the shift there in that thinking for him and for the Church? Well, the whole reason why we have what we call the Easter obligation, meaning go to confession, go to communion at least once a year, is because people weren't going. So people were not going to communion. And, uh, you know, Pope Pius X said, well, you know, God, Jesus died for us and gave us the Eucharist so that we receive him. So uh, it's, op- it's, it's appropriate to say you're not worthy to receive the Eucharist, but none of us are worthy to receive the Eucharist. And so get over your unworthiness, go to confession, and go to receive the Eucharist. He died as a gift for us to receive the Eucharist. And so uh, the encouragement to go more often was obviously incredibly important because of how important the Eucharist is for our own salvation. You know, I mean, it was St. Ignatius of Antioch who was who was alive one generation after Jesus who called it the antidote against dying, receiving the Eucharist. You know, and that's spiritual death, of course. And so uh, how, you know, one of my taglines that I use a lot too, and I'm sure I've used it on the air before, it's like, you cannot define the spiritual well-being of a parish by what happens on the weekend. You define the spiritual well-being of the parish by what happens on the weekday. And so if you have a number of parishioners that are active in receiving the Eucharist, that will transform your parish. It will. It, I, I promise you, not only will it transform your parish, it will transform you personally. You know, same thing here at St. James, uh, you know, and St. Elizabeth. Uh, th- those are my parishes. We've had an uptick on our weekday mass crowd. 
And now the trick is, is to get these people to understand how important that is, that Lent is not a time of temporary improvements. You know, let this Lenten practice of you're going to weekday Mass more continue to form you more. In fact, that was the opening prayer of today's Mass. I, I mentioned it in the homily. It's like the opening prayer of today's Mass was, may our devotions this season form us to be more faithful disciples. And so if you're doing daily Mass as part of your Lenten observance, don't give it up on Easter. You know, I mean, this, this is meant to transform us and transform us personally and transforms our parish. Uh, you know, a practical challenge I had presented at the beginning of this Lent um, for, for folks was uh, to, to allow yourself the experience of the Eucharist three times during the week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I joke like, okay, it's Sunday. We've already got one down, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that one Eucharistic experience because you go to Mass on Sunday. Find an opportunity to, to make it to adoration or a stop and a visit to a church even if they don't have adoration going on, even if it's just a a, a ten minute visit right. or a quick visit, maybe you don't do a whole hour, but just at some point during the week, stop in and just spend some time with the Lord in the Eucharist. And then third, try to make one daily mass right. um, in your week. And so look around town, depending on right. where you live or your area, you know, because even in the rural areas, you might be realizing, well, I've got to go into the city or I've got to go into this other town to run an errand. You know, look at mass times and right. figure out, well, could I make a daily mass possible? Because daily mass, too, is more accessible than people probably There's realize of, in terms of, of how many there are and where they are. And also, they're only about 25 minutes on right. average. You know, so it's not a full hour mass. A lot of people don't really realize that. Right, right. When well, they realize that, well, that's more doable. I just thought it was a full hour. Call 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Call in with your question or if you have any insight or any thoughts in regards to what Father Ryan and I are talking about. Or you can go on Facebook for Real Presence Live and submit your question in writing. Yeah, the uh, um, uh, there's no doubt that the the weekday Mass is highly significant for... Uh, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the people that are listening right now are probably retired, you know. And uh, my parish, I know at least my parish of St. James is... Uh, has a high level of uh, retirement age parishioners, it's worth it. If you're retired, it's worth it to, to, to adjust your schedule a little bit to get, because you've got the easiest opportunity, most likely, to get to a weekday mass. Uh, the, the blessings will be very noticeable in your life if you take that as an, for advantage. You know, I was very proud to be able to, and proud, proud of the healthy sort of way of, of how my former parishes have grown in their weekday mass. Uh, uh, goers, the numbers, starting very small and how they've grown through the years. And and uh, uh, that's because I push it a lot, and it's important for us to push it as priests. So. It it can become, too, for people like a a tight-knit little community, too, during Absolutely. the week. You know, yeah. so I've, I've seen that in parishes that I've been in, mm-hmm. where that daily mass crew, you know, they spend time afterwards visiting, yep. even if it's just five, ten minutes, but just daily seeing each the other. Same people. You're, if you're praying, if you're receiving the Eucharist together, there's going to be a connection. Yep. Yeah, at St. John's, my last parish, that every Friday or every Thursday, depending if it was Lent or not, they'd get together after Mass, and they'd always have coffee and donuts downstairs. It was like this weekly thing. And, and yeah, you can't help but strengthen your community if you're receiving Eucharist with the same people all the time. So It's so, so good. So 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Give us a call about anything that you might have a question about, if you have anything... Question about um, the anniversary that we're celebrating today with John Paul II or with Lent coming up and Holy Week on its way. Uh, you, 
you might have a comment or an idea you want to share, um, shoot it out to us. You can also like if you want to hear less of Father Ryan, you can you can yeah. you can call that in too. That's you could say you'd rather have Father Ryan seven nine five zero one two two. What would you What were you going to say, Father Ryan? Uh, nothing. No. We haven't seen you at RCIA for the last few weeks. I know. You know, I was in I was in Rome for two of those weeks. Yeah. And then last night I was leading a mission up in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. No. Oh. For the parish there, so that I, went okay, I, huh? Yeah, it went okay. Good. Yeah. So are those people up in Grand Rapids more spiritually fit now after the year? That's my hope. I told them at the beginning of the mission, I said, my hope is that after this, Father Seth and Father Charlie have more work because you're going to need some spiritual direction. Yeah, wow. You know, to want to wanna talk and so process they, they, your so, prayer life. So in other words, they're spiritually less healthy now after the mission. I is that what you meant by that? that? No, no, that's 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 not the way I was thinking it. It's more like, you know, it's like the trainer at the gym, once people are inspired to start exercising, they get more business. You know? Oh, okay, I got you. Right? All right, well, I was thinking, of, I was re- what you were saying, I was taking it a different way. Yeah, you were taking it the negative way, which you usually do. Well, Father <laughs> Ryan, it's part of our thing, you know. So call 877-795-0122. We don't have a call in yet. We dare you to call out there in Radio Land. That's motivation. 877-795-0122. You can call with anything. Or go back on Facebook. You know, I was thinking. I don't. You know, there's a there's a two priests out in Bismarck that have a show, and you know what they're called? Are they Sons of Thunder? The Sons of Thunder. Yeah. Aren't they brothers? Right, the Waltz brothers. Yeah, uh-huh. Father, uh, the Waltz brothers. I was thinking, like, if we had a name, what would it be? Oh boy! You know, I'd love to hear from folks to know, like, what would our name be? Um, I don't know. Uh, Laurel and Hardy. No. No. Um, I don't know. People can call. I don't want people to call in. That's, that's <laughs> sounds like a dumb thing to call. Have people call in for. That's because you don't want them calling you names. Well, I want them to call me respectful names, like father. Oh, okay. Well, we could think of some sort of a nickname, but I don't want to copy somebody else. I we have to be. We have to be original. Yeah, I'm not really looking for like a show name or a nickname, but no. it, it was like kind of laughing this morning. Like, I wonder what we would call ourselves if we, you know, that. Because I always listen to the Sons of Thunder thing, right? No. Oh, good. So um, Take us, yeah, there save us. is an Andrew. Save us, people. Save us. Call in. Tell us, give us something good to talk about. Um, on Facebook, um, Andrew from Duluth uh, sends in a question. He says, can you give me the reason we pray to Jesus when Jesus told us the best way to pray, the Lord's Prayer, is to address the Father? Hmm. You want me to take that? Yeah, why don't you start that off? It, you know, it is interesting. when you When you read the Gospels, there is a transformation. When you read the Gospels, Jesus is always pointing out, and pointing us towards God the Father. And one thing that's important with that is that, you know, the Old Testament rarely, rarely refers to God as Father. And so Jesus coming and revealing God to us in the fullness of possible ways reveals God as our Father. And so there's something totally radically new with that. And so that was Jesus revealing God to us. And so that that relationship as Father is very important. But in Christian tradition... As soon as Jesus left, that's when we really recognized, especially on Pentecost, who Jesus was. And so we started to focus on, holy smokes, God became one of us. So therefore, it's natural for us now to focus on Jesus, focus on all three of the persons of the Trinity, but to focus on Jesus because he's the person of the Trinity who became us, one of us, and died for us for love of us. So in the, in the gospel, you know, narrative, 
Jesus is mostly pointing to God the Father. He points to himself as well, obviously. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have life within you. And so he speaks of himself and our relationship with him, obviously. But there was a, a, a change with Pentecost after he left. The, the full realization of who Jesus was didn't happen until then. And so it was a natural progression to where Jesus was revealing God to us. But in revealing God to us, he's also revealing himself to us. And Jesus as the Word incarnate, as God incarnate, like Father Rich, Rich was just saying, he is now the mediator. He's the one that brings us to the Father. and so Through Christ our Lord. Right. And all of our prayers, through exactly Christ right. our Lord. So it, it, it's that reason, too, that it's, well, it's, it's Jesus that we are united to in his death and resurrection through the whole Paschal Mystery and the Ascension um, to be able... Uh, to to be brought to the Father, if you will, to be brought into the fullness of divine life with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is our key role because he's our Savior that brings us to the Father. So that would be um, one of the the dynamics of why we pray to Jesus. And he's, well. our, he's our priest. So the, the yep. priest is the one who's the bridge. You know? Yep. And we have to remember, Jesus is God. Him and the Father are one, right? So, in the Holy Spirit. So, it, it's not like a deterrent from the Father, because when we speak to Jesus, He's one with the Father. So, in, you know, it's, it's that mystery of the Trinity mm -hmm. of, of the three as one. So, yeah. Uh, no, that was a very, a very good question. Thank you very much from uh, right here in our backyard. And it's I, like we have another question. I think up. we have somebody on the air, uh, live with us. Mike from St. Elizabeth's, are you there? Mike? Hello. Hey, Mike. Mike, how are you? You're one of my prisoners. Hi. Yes, I am. I just have a question. Um, last year and the year before, the Diocese of Duluth did a 24-hour period of confession. Um, I was wondering if they were going to be doing it this year again. I didn't see anything this year. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went to confession last weekend. Um, but they're not going to be doing that this year in the Duluth Diocese? Well, to, this is now. I could be wrong on this, Mike, but this is my understanding is that we were doing these in the, uh, the last few years at the encouragement of Pope Francis. You know, Pope, Pope Francis right. was really um, uh, came up with this idea, which I think is a wonderful idea. And I honestly have not heard a thing about it this year. So maybe it's not something that Pope Francis is is uh, um, encouraging or, or promoting this year. I, I don't know the answer. But you know, I mean, like you okay. know, uh, like we, you know, we've talked a little bit on the air about weekday mass. It's also the same with confessions. It's confessions are very accessible, you know. And so it's like I always tell people I get far more confessions by appointment than I do sitting in the confessional on Saturday afternoons. And so the majority of mine okay. come through appointment. And so as far as the twenty-four hour one, Father Ryan, have you heard anything about that? I one? haven't heard either. Um... If we have time later, we might be able to bring it up with Bishop. He's going to be on with us uh, towards the end of the show, and we might be able to ask him that as well to say, you know, is is this just the dynamic that Pope Francis, had, you know, didn't encourage it this year? Not that it's not a bad thing, but it's sometimes some of these things kind of run their course because of things going on in the church or, you know, sp specific focuses. You know, you think of the year of mercy. I think in the year of mercy, some of this stuff started sure, as yep, well. Exactly. With 2016. Yeah. So some of that is from the year of mercy and, you know, the kind of sunset and then something else comes up right. and we, we do something else. So, Mike, thanks for that uh, good question and thanks for calling from my parish. Okay, no problem. I love your work. All right, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks God bless you, Mike. God bless. Yep. Hey, thanks for calling in, Mike. Um, again, 877-795-0122. 
877-795-0122, or check us out on Facebook. Feel free to call in with any kind of a question or a comment. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you'd like to talk about or have us talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, so many of our EWTN national shows are these call-in shows, but this is your opportunity to call in on a more local level. I mean, our, ask local questions like Mike just asked. Right, and That's exactly. the great thing about Real Presence Radio. Right, right. It's so local. Um, right. And we know that we have listeners all throughout the Upper Midwest, but uh, Upper Midwest Church is uh, unique in its own way, you know. And so to have uh, people ask these questions that affect more people in the listening area is always good. So it's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We still have a few minutes of of the uh, open opportunity to ask questions on Real Presence Live. So Father Rich, one of the things that um, this time of year brings about for me as vocation director, and you would know this as well, is the application process right. for our seminarians, mm-hmm. and so. You know, one of the things that I love to tell people about and so that they know is just kind of the process that we go through with these guys that are applying and wanting to go to seminary. And yeah. so, you know, it involves, and you, you probably remember this, you know, that they have to write a full autobiography yep. um, about their life and we kind of set a framework for that. Right. Um, they go through a full psychological evaluation, mm-hmm. um, on, an application process or an application form that gives just a full biographical kind of just base information. Right. Um, they have to go through our, our safe environment training. We do a full background check on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to do a full physical um, to make sure that they're healthy. We right. do a, a kind of a financial background to make sure that they're not going in and be able to pay the bills if they have any bills that they need to pay. A lot of rigors. Yeah, and then they, they sit. They have a number of meetings with the vocation director himself, and then at the that's end That's probably of the it, most difficult part for them. That's probably yeah, these days, diocese, these days in And then they sit before a review board. That involves clergy and laity. You know, our review board, for instance, we have a a second psychologist that's on it. We have a a priest, a deacon. You know, so they sit and do about a 45-minute interview with the review board, and the review board asks some questions about everything that's in the file, and they then, that review board, makes a formal recommendation to the to the bishop of of acceptance or non-acceptance or you know yeah accept but make sure they're working on these things so it's really a thorough and pretty intimate process Um, it's super healthy it's super good um but you know we really go through a lot before a guy even enters the seminary right much less what he goes through while he's in seminary in terms of being formed and part of that is that you know i mean we think when we when a guy feels like he's called to the priesthood and he wants to pursue that the it's it goes both ways. The diocese have to has to discern. The church has to discern whether or not he's called to the priesthood. Yep. And so the church does that by all sorts of practical means. Uh, you can call eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or go on Facebook. And anything that's on your mind right now uh, would be uh, you could give us a call or. Uh, give us a, um, a write-up in Facebook and ask questions. Yeah, you know, oftentimes in that discernment, and, you know, I, I always tell guys, I said, well, you have a yes to the priesthood, but, we, you know, the church has to say yes. It's like asking a girl, you know, to go on a date. You want to go on the date, but if she says no, <laughs> it's not meant to be, buddy. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> well. So it is that process of making sure that it's a good fit, and we both feel that there is a call to this, you know, for it. So it's a... It's quite a, it's a really good thing and it's making, I think, things a lot healthier as well. So, um, we've got a caller, uh, Victoria from Two Harbors. Uh, Victoria, are you with us? Yes, I am. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. What's your question? Um, I am wondering about the second coming of Jesus and I'm a little confused. Um, does everyone that's in heaven, are they judged again or how does, 
do we know how that works with the second coming or not really? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a very good question. Thanks, Victoria. You know, um, different Christian traditions hold different things, actually. But uh, from the Catholic perspective, we believe in the individual judgment upon our death, that God will judge us based on how we um, uh, lived out our life seeking him and seeking the truth and how we lived a moral, upstanding life. We also believe that in the, at the end of time, and we say this in our creed at the, at, you know, at mass, that, uh, that he will judge the living and the dead, that there'll be a general judgment. And the way I've always understood that, and I, you know, I mean, uh, the idea of, uh, this type of theology is that a lot of it we know what's revealed, but a lot of it is held in mystery. But I've always understood the, the general judgment in such ways. How did we play our part? How did we, live our lives in regards to the body of Christ in general? How are we judged? How are we living our lives as a faithful member, as part of the whole, you know, as the church of Christ and as the body of Christ on earth? And that the, there's no such thing as a double jeopardy. It's like you made it with the first one, but you're not going to make it with the second one. Uh, but there is a, you know, I always like to give the analogy of when we are trying to understand the revelation of of things such as this, which is very difficult for us to comprehend, it's kind of like trying to take a drink of water from Niagara Falls. You can get a mouthful of water, but think how much water we miss. So we can understand a certain amount of of things like this, but in the end, there's so much about God's revelation that we can't ever comprehend. So the idea of no such thing as double jeopardy, you know, we're not going to uh, get in trouble after we've, you know, uh, gotten to heaven to be with God in the individual judgment, but in the general judgment is how did we act in response to being a member of the whole body of Christ? In the final judgment, then, you know, in that, that second coming dynamic, it's, it's the, 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 de- dealing, the dealing out of justice as well, that God will give us the fullness of what's coming to us, if you will, similar to what Father Rich said, maybe put in a different light, that well, you know, in the resurrection, it's it's receiving the body back in a, in in salvation, but it's a, a full dwelling out of justice and the fullness of justice. And justice isn't just in the negative; justice is in the positive. You know, getting a paycheck is an act of justice for work done, and so um, it's that fullness of God's justice dealt out to to everything in the end as a finality. Does that make sense, Victoria? Um, yes, it does, actually. Yeah, the, the Niagara Falls analogy is, that's good, and yeah, and maybe God can see things in a different light. Of course. Yeah, yeah than we can. So, yeah, the big yeah. thing is, is yeah, we won't be kind much. of judged towards salvation or not again at the second judgment. Thank you, Victoria. Okay. Thanks okay. for calling in, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Um, Thank before. You. Before we have our uh, before we go to the break, um, we've got we've got a one comment. More thing it's here. more of a comment, I think, on Facebook. Uh, he, the Pope, is encouraging. We just had down in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I don't know what that means. I think this was the twenty four seven adoration, uh, not adoration, but confession. Oh, so maybe the Pope, maybe Pope Francis oh, right, has exactly. done it, but we just haven't picked up on it here in the diocese of Duluth. So the Pope is encouraging. Still, it's always a good thing. So somebody just made a phone call and just uh, uh, clarified for us through Facebook. Jennifer, thanks for tapping into Facebook Real Presence Radio. Um, and letting us know that, yeah. So they had one down in the, the Twin Cities. So. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of one here. I haven't, I haven't seen it received a request or anything. No, to, no. To go. Yeah. Well, this has been. We've had some good calls. We got a, yeah, a some good conversation good too. And, yeah, yeah. I like this segment of the show. Yeah, it is. It's actually my favorite part of the show. Yeah, it's fun to hear from folks and hear what you're thinking and wondering about because you know we come up with this stuff with the producers of different topics and stuff. But it's good to hear hear where you guys are at and what you want to hear. And that's what this is about. This show is about you, folks. 
um, this this radio station's about you and growing. Well, thank you for listening to Real Presence Live. When you come back, we're going to be talking to one of the shepherds of the church who is a bishop about coming back into the fold. We'll catch you right after the break.